stranger I'm trying to contact here. He's an old friend Flip. of school. Flip. Well, I don't know Flip. because I don't okay. know him by his name. Hi. How's it going? It's going. What kind of pizza you got there? Pepperoni, frozen, Kroger brand, like two bucks of pizza. Can't go wrong. <laughs> well, 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 well. Did you watch the Chicago shows last night? I haven't watched a single show. I haven't watched This Is Us. I haven't watched Chicago. I haven't watched that other new one, Big Sky. Like just from this week or like the whole season? Just this week. Okay. Well, it's not like you have much to catch up on because, well, you have six weeks to catch up on it, I guess I should say, because um, it's Wait. not coming back until um, January, the first week in January. All the shows are done. Maybe not Big Sky, but <clears throat> yeah, This Is Us comes back January 5th, Chicago January 6th. Seriously? Yeah, I know. Stupid. Oh, I suppose like Christmas and stuff, but yeah, but still, I feel like they could. Uh -huh. If Blue Bloods is starting December first, they could have done a few weeks in December. I feel. Yeah, it's not like I'm trying to think like what they'd be running up against. Like, I feel like Chicago owns Wednesday nights. Like, they can do that for right. And it's not, I don't know, if everyone's locked down again or, or whatever, people aren't traveling as much, I think they could make money off of it. People are dying to watch these shows. So, yeah. I don't know. Oh, huh. well, okay. Guess I'm not in a rush then. Right. <laughs> well, why even? Why even come back? Just say we're starting in January then, honestly. Right. Like, did they. I'm curious, like how recent ago they finished. Do you follow the creator of This Is Us? I don't think I follow him, but sometimes he shows up in my Twitter. That Dan Fogelberg, I think, or and he oh, said yeah. that they started, they finished the episode of This Is Us the night before. They like like the editing and putting it all together. The fuck? Yeah. Why they do that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it really just threw them. I mean, they had. I feel extra time with This Is Us came out and then it wasn't on the next week because of the election. And then it's been on two weeks since, right? I think yeah. there's been three weeks of it. But yeah, they just... And like... You can pop in, yeah. Chicago PD, they showed promos for the episode coming in January. And as someone who loves Jay and Haley... I'm hoping that they get together and the promos. Uh, oh, look like it's going to happen? I don't know. It's going to come to a, a crossroads, it looks like, where they're going to have to either admit they have feelings for each other or or not. So we'll see. Well, yeah, who's going to, between those two and... Uh... Ruzek and Burgess... Oh, no, I was thinking on fire, Casey and... Oh, oh, well, you got to watch this week's episode. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay. And then when you watch Big Sky, because I watched that too, holy fuck. <laughs> it was kind of slow, but um, one of the main characters on there was a guy from PD. Um, 
Sean. Oh, Sean, right. He, yeah, he was on patrol with Kim. That they one. They can get a thing briefly. Yeah. Yeah. He's on that big sky. So that's good. See, see the bad guy? Do you want me to give it away? Um, even if I said yes, I feel like you wanted to. So I'm good. Okay. What does bad guy really mean? It's all interpretive. You gotta give me credit though. I cranked out Yellowstone in like a week and a half. So very proud of you. Ah, so right. good. I got Mike to watch it too. He just finished like an hour. Really? Ago. <laughs> yeah. That season three finale is not like anything I've ever experienced. No, and honestly, like I feel like season. I don't know. If, some TV shows get better and some like fall off and that one, it definitely gets better. Like season one. Right. Well, yeah, I agree. I was like, I was admin. I'm like, I feel like Longmire is better season two. I'm like, okay. Kind of same playing field. And like this season, it's like, okay, there's a little more here, but yeah, no Longmire is still really good. I guess so. I tried to like start Longmire up again and I watched the first episode and I'm like, it's just not the same. I don't know. It's just, I think I'm just, it's easier to love the characters on Yellowstone than it is to love Longmire. Is it though? <laughs> no. Are you kidding? Oh my God. Everything that comes out of Beth's mouth is just like wonderful. She's so good. I don't know. I, I, I like Casey. The other oh, hell yeah. Beth. He's hot as hell. What? Seriously? Casey? Uh, yeah. I guess his wife's, his wife's a smoke show. So that's fair. <laughs> But honestly, if Jamie and Beth, like, if they had a duel and they both shot each other and kill each other, I'd be like, fine. You don't like Beth? No. She's the best. What the hell? Why don't no. you like her? <sighs> do you like Rip? I like Rip. I, I really do not like Beth. I think she makes the show. Agreed. Agreed. But I, I, I. It's hard to love, I guess, at some point, but I don't know. I just like the Bunkhouse Boys because after every episode, there'd be a YouTube video with three of the guys from the Bunkhouse and they would discuss the show and it was just like funnier than the actual show, but oh, really? those guys just kind of make it. And so I don't know. we'll see what season four brings, but I like it. How does, Obviously. How does mom know this? Why? Tell her we're podcasting. No, she texts us. She just texted me. She's like, "Are you recording?" I didn't get a text message. Oh, it's just to me. Weird. Um, it's creepy. I, I didn't say anything to her. Yeah, I I didn't I didn't either. Did she give you something? And there's a camera in it, and now it's in your apartment. <laughs> Oh <laughs> no! I'm trying to think. I haven't done anything too stupid in a while. In a while. It's creepy. The fuck? She typed me, and then we can start. But Next time I'm hanging out with my friends and they bring up politics, I'm going to call you and then you can just talk to them for me. Okay. Okay. I'm done. I'm just done. No, I'd, I'd, I'd very much love to. 
standing what's what's uh oh you guys do your bachelorette hangouts and stuff yeah and then we watched big sky after and then for some reason taylor brought up like do you think trump like he should just concede the election does he have the right to do this blah 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 and she asked me my thoughts on it and then it spiraled into a whole thing about like who we voted for and so then she was saying that Cody voted for Trump and she's like, well, he just went along with whatever his friend said. She really, he doesn't really know why he voted for Trump. So then I asked her, I'm like, well, what policies of Biden's do you like? Or like, why, why did you feel the need to vote for him? If it wasn't just like anti-Trump. And she's like, I really liked, you know, as part of like Obama administration, she's like, I really liked Obamacare. <laughs> I was like, she wasn't even like, old enough to be on Obamacare. Right, right. I'm like, okay. And then and then this is the, this is the kicker. This part really got me. She was saying talking about Obamacare she's like and and then of course like and I liked the Affordable Care Act. And I'm like they're the same thing. She's like, "No, Affordable Care Act is like a, a section of Obamacare." And I'm like I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> like what? So then after that, I kind of just stopped because I'm like, I can't really argue with someone who doesn't know that. Yeah, yeah, it, just basic facts. Right. So I was kind of done at that point because she's trying to, to talk smart, and Mackenzie's just like, I just don't like Trump, and I just really don't want to call him my president. And I'm like, fine, okay. Like we've talked about this before. Like I get it. He is. He is like. I don't want to call Biden my president, but he is like, I don't know. Right. Yeah. It just, but because when she said like Cody just basically voted for Trump because that's what his friends were doing. He doesn't really know. And it's like, well, you don't really know either. No, you don't know shit. So, so that was kind of funny. I thought when I would have flipped my shit, I like it's not I'm like, it's the same thing. It's just called Obamacare because he's the one that did it. And she's like, it's a step in the right direction. She's like, people can't afford stuff, blah, blah, blah. And I was going to get into like socialized healthcare and, and stuff. But I'm just said, you know what? I think government has too much control over us as it is. Too much power that I don't think they need to get involved in this. And she, yeah. Well, so that, I was thinking though that I'm like, God, I can't wait for Thanksgiving. <laughs> I just can't wait. Oh, I, I know. Well, like I, I, I'm like, can we have, I'm like, who do I need to sit by? Because on one hand, I'm like, I, you know, Zach and Keisha, like they're, they're our age. They, they know what, what, what they know stuff, but at the same time, it's fucking weird too. Yep. I'm like, sit by Jess. Yeah. Uh, Well, yeah. She's, what did you, did you follow her on Facebook? You probably not on Facebook, but no, just on Instagram. On election night, oh, uh, she she had a bunch of different statuses, and I think like the first returns in California were like, I mean, like half of one percent votes, and like Trump must it must have been like Trump heavy. She's like, wow, Trump might win California. It's looking good. Oh shit! Oh, no, you should sit next to like pest not um, <laughs> preby. Everything preby is a good one. Yeah. Yeah, I, somewhere between like full on conspiracy theorists that like that there's yeah. like fraud and like it Trump's actually the president, right? Between that and like 
uh, Bill Gates is creating this COVID vibe vaccine or something. I don't know. Ooh, so that's Zach. <laughs> yeah, I that's Zach. Uh, I, I, I'm just. I think I'm just gonna sit there and drink by myself until I drink enough, and then I start blabbering. Yes, that nah, it's just the next dad. He's always just a calming presence. <laughs> True. Yeah, that's that's a good call. Just like low key. Yeah. Between between dad and grandpa, perfect. There you go. Yes. Mm. I'll sit by Lisa and Amy. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, maybe I'll sit by them. They won't even talk about it. Right, exactly. And Jared might a little bit, but it won't be the focal point of it. But. No. But I'll, I'll probably say that one at Thanksgiving. I'll bring up my liberal friend who thinks Obamacare and Affordable Care Act are two different things. Okay. Did you tell dad that? No, I, I want to like <laughs> say it in person. <laughs> so I'll wait till you're there next week. Well, I'll be, He'll probably be like, Emily, you just need to get new friends. <laughs> yeah. Are you, when are you coming home? Wednesday night. Uh, you stay in the whole weekend or? Um, I don't know it, because Taylor's birthday is Sunday. So we might be going out Saturday night somewhere in Appleton, but it also depends. Her family might be coming to do Thanksgiving at her house, but I don't really think that's happening. So I probably won't know until like two days beforehand, but probably leaning towards something doing on Saturday night with her and Ken's. Gotcha. Yeah. Like we're trying to figure out, I mean, we were planning Friday, like the Milwaukee guys are going to come up and green Bay guys come down. But, um, one of the Milwaukee guys, he does, does, he's not going to, doesn't want to anymore. I think his, both his grandparents are in the hospital. So they're like keeping an eye on it. But I don't know. Okay. Whatever, With but, COVID? Yeah. Okay. Um, and then Matt, Matt hasn't said anything in a while, but I think one of his grandparents is in the hospital. Really? So, um, I don't know if Mike's coming up. Danny's not. Dick Myers, <laughs> they're supposed to fly in on Tuesday. And Romy was going to go pick him up from the airport. Romy tested positive. Oh, no. Now, Casey's parents are worried that. I'm assuming they hang out with Romy often enough that right. they're also positive. So they went and got tested yesterday or today. So if theirs comes back positive, Dick Mars aren't going to come. Right. So then, <laughs> then and like Ryan and Jen, they, Ryan had uh, bought a, ho- a, a reserved a hotel room in Sheboygan for Friday night. So he already paid for that. I think. <laughs> non-refundable so he's like i'm coming no matter what right yeah. <laughs> all right like i'm i'm sure it was by like a 50 60 dollar hotel like it's not yeah jeez. Oh, so yeah I, I don't know i know i'm like i'm just kind of i don't even tell many people like my hairdresser tonight i wasn't gonna be like oh yeah we're having 40 people over in our house for thanksgiving i was like i could say it but i don't want people to i don't know yeah, I yeah, I don't yeah, we don't have to go out of, like out of our way to like to brag or boast about it, but right. I don't know. Someone asked like how was Thanksgiving? Like, I don't know. Good. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Everyone yeah. no one was forced to do anything. <laughs> yeah. Um probably you probably didn't. But you hear uh Kelsey has or had COVID. Get ballerini? No, Marcus's <laughs> Oh, <laughs> Oh, that is amazing. I want to tell Kelsey, uh, Mark Kelsey, <laughs> sometime. Right. 
know. So she she tested positive. So they've been uh, for like oh, this is probably like day ten already. Yeah, for like oh, this is at least ten. This might be fourteen. For like ten days or two weeks, they've been quarantining and like separately. Like really, he has it. Marcus doesn't. So Marcus has literally been like kind of living in the basement. Like he does his radio show in one one extra room, and he has like TV and okay. So I don't know, but I'm like, and Jake Westendorf, he tested positive, so he was quarantining. He was like hiding out from his wife and daughter. Yeah, I'm like, do they have symptoms? Any of them? Did they say like loss of taste and smell is the only one I really hear. I don't know if actual. I think Jake. What did he say? He started to was like a, a migraine or just didn't feel good. So he was a little sick. He said, yeah. a, I think maybe a day or two. I think Kelsey had it a couple of days, but I mean, you know, Kelsey, I think, I think part of what kept her sick for a while too is her, she gets in her head and gets, she, I mean, lonely. I think, I think that's a, right. She's such a COVID. social being. Right. People get sick with COVID and like, obviously that's it. But I feel like the sickness just prolongs because you're just by yourself and like, right. There's like this, I don't know, there's like this stigma that, oh, you have COVID, like, I don't want to get near right. you. Yeah, I know. I think that's so stupid. It's, right. I don't know, whatever, but that's kind of funny. Yeah. I don't get how you and I have not had it. I don't either. <laughs> like, I don't know what's going on. The only thing I can think of is that, that like, somewhere in the last four months i got it and i'm asymptomatic or something but yeah right i, I haven't felt sick like no, me neither i've been to two weddings uh played in a volleyball league we're playing new teams every week right been out at some restaurants and bars like not a lot but enough I'm like okay yeah i saw were you at old red with jacqueline I crept on your location. <laughs> I wanted to see where you took them. I'm like that's good. <laughs> oh well, yeah, that was. The, the did you mess... drive together, or did they meet you there? Oh, they met me there. Oh, okay. I, I well, like part of it was first is like they're gonna come at two, and I'm like, at first I was like, yeah, that's great, but I'm like. Then if I have to talk to my manager and be like, I'm getting lunch with my cousins at two, but I'll work later. But like, I'm not busy enough right now to work later. So it's like, right. they make me say, just call it a day. I don't want to do that. Anyways, I asked, I asked them if they had any places in mind or and Jacqueline's like someplace with music. I'm like, oh. <laughs> There's, I was like, oh, could we do like, there's some good restaurants in midtown or like some of the not broadway areas i'm like oh yeah uh broadway here we come that's, <laughs> i sent them a few and then place with music you're in fucking nashville any place you go will have music right but then i i think they got there before i did like maybe five or ten minutes and i don't know if the first floor where the music was already taken up or they wanted to sit rooftop because they're like oh we're on the we're on the rooftop and it was like a nice okay I don't know. Yeah. 70 degree days. So hung out with them and did that. You lucky Doug. Like an hour and a half. 
it wasn't it wasn't too bad uh, i mean there's there's definitely uh, nothing crazy but just definitely a couple just you know like uh jackson can you just nah, nah. <laughs> was, like there was we're sitting at like a picnic table and i mean literally eight six feet away eight feet away is like another uh couch sofa looking thing and there's these two or three girls there the the typical of nashville you you know yeah like mm-hmm. hat jean jacket boots whatever and like they're they're taking pictures and selfies and jack jacqueline just like i don't know if she doesn't have her volume like she's just like <laughs> she was just saying like oh like she's not kind of not mocking them but like you know like oh selfie you know yes Something- oh i can hear her say that yes Ooh, selfie. <laughs> yeah. she was, it wasn't like condescending she was like smiling and laughing but i'm like it was not quiet i'm just like uh. right. <laughs> but oh thankfully yeah it wasn't it wasn't too bad it was like an hour hour and a half nothing yeah that's too funny bad. you're such a good cousin well, i talked the whole way through the ceremony i don't know if mom told you that no. April and I were just chit chatting the whole time, and apparently, Grandma at one point looked at mom, our mom and said, "Do those girls have to talk through the whole thing?" <laughs> <laughs> yep, we were like a full glass of wine in at that point. It was just catching up. Yeah. It was fun. Uh, yeah, it, it was a hoot just to hear. I poor, poor. I can all. I can only imagine how bad of a bridezilla she was a week or two. And like, obviously some of it like makes sense with COVID, but. Right. Uh, it was, it was. Well, Mackenzie's in this wedding um, this weekend and it's for actually one of her coworkers who's in the same training group as Dan. So they met like a few months back and then the wedding was supposed to be in June. It got pushed to November. One of the girls dropped out, I think, cause she was pregnant. So she asked Mackenzie to be in the wedding. Fine, whatever. But then apparently this past week, one of this girl's bridesmaids, she was in contact with someone who had COVID. She didn't have it herself. I don't know if she wasn't going to get tested or what, but she dropped out. So then the bride, her name's Chelsea, asked someone, one of her friends from Illinois to be in the wedding. And I'm like, if someone asked me like a week or two weeks before their wedding, I'd say no. Because then Mackenzie read us this message the bride sent to all the girls saying, you know, this girl from Chicago, she's, you know, not just a, a replacement. She is one of my dear friends, blah, blah, blah. And then she's also saying stuff like, if you guys take pictures, you know, you can post them. Just just don't take other people unless you have their permission. I know some employers are weird with COVID and being out in large groups, and I just don't want to get anyone in trouble. And I'm like, because he's like, then don't get married right now if you feel that uncomfortable right. with it. Just don't do it. Yeah. I'm just like, whatever. So. Just, yeah, people are crazy. They just are crazy. I want this vaccine out to people who need yeah. it yeah. and then get the show on the road. By March or April, everyone that's paranoid about it, go get a vaccine and then like yeah. the rest of us can get it if we want and then we'll go back to normal. Like ugh. Exactly. If you think I'm wearing a fucking mask longer than the next few months, no. No. No, there's there's no. Like it's it's ridiculous. It is. Yep. <sighs> well, which one do you want to talk about first? Let's do the album first. All right, all right, all right. Oh my gosh, you need to read Matthew McConaughey's book when I'm done with it. 
I I read like a chapter before I go to bed. It usually takes me like a 45 minutes to read it. It's so good. He is so crazy and awesome. And sometimes I think probably a little high when he writes some of the stuff he does, but it's so good. Do you a chance follow uh, like serious XM country or any of those people? No. So uh, there's one of the shows is, is storm Warren. I don't know if that name rings a bell. Stormy. Like, yeah. He's, uh, he's, he's in his 50s or something like that. Yeah. I know Stormy Warren. Yeah. Yeah. So he's on it. And then I think one of his co-hosts is um, MC, I think Mary Catherine, I assume. I don't know. Okay. She's probably like her, her 30s or whatever. And uh, she had, they must have had him on earlier this week or whatever. And she was like, she had a bunch of Instagram stories ahead of it. Like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Like, this is like, you know, I'm in love, whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh like one of her the follow-up stories was like well it was going great for the first five or ten minutes and then what do you know my internet goes out oh no i dropped from the rest of the interview and i didn't get to say goodbye to him and like now we're never gonna see whatever yeah oh no oh well there's just one point in the book he talks about like a trip he went with some other actors to Europe after his first big movie. He was in Dazed and Confused. And one of the actors is Cole Hauser. He plays Rip on Yellowstone. So oh, imagine Rip wow. from Yellowstone, Matthew McConaughey, and there was one other actor I didn't recognize riding motorcycles around Europe like in the 90s. <laughs> yeah, young guys probably, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Early yeah. yeah. Dang. So there's a visual. I'm so glad. So glad, so glad. All right. Keith Urban, right? Making sure we're on the same one. Keith Urban, Keith Urban. Keith Urban squared. You got it. Hey, guys. Welcome to the Album Collection. And this episode, we're talking Keith Urban's self-titled debut album, Keith Urban. (laughs) So the reason I chose this one, Emily, was... Keith Urban, he's not that he's had like a renaissance. Is that the right word to say? Like uh, revolutionary. I want to start Re- to shift. Or, what am I? Renaissance. It's a true renaissance man. No, like uh, revival. Uh, uh, it's not I, revolutionary. This okay. is good. This is a great way to start. Keep it for the, the bloopers. Yeah. Uh, hey, guys. Welcome to the album collection. We are talking Keith Urban's self-titled debut album, Keith Urban. So, Emily, the reason I chose this one is Keith's kind of been that guy throughout the years that his music, he continues to stay with it. He's relevant now as he was 20 years ago, similar to Tim McGraw, Kenny Chesney. So I really wanted to go back and listen to his first album and kind of compare what does this sound like compared to the music he's making now and the music of today. So that was the the main reason, but I'm curious what your initial thoughts on the album are. It's very unlike the Keith Urban we know today. How so? Uh, I've, I feel like, and maybe that just comes with time, 
but there's songs and he puts his own Keith Urban touch on it. Like I feel like him and even Brad Paisley, they have this magic with their guitars and you can be like, oh yeah, without even hearing, it sounds like a Keith Urban guitar solo or it sounds like a Brad Paisley guitar solo. So we didn't have much electric guitar in this album. I actually wrote down tons of fiddle. <laughs> there was a lot of fiddle. Um, it felt very country, which is funny because people usually uh, associate Keith Urban with being a little bit more pop country when he first started compared to what Kenny Chesney and Tim McGraw were doing at the time. So this album just wasn't Keith yet. Um, some people have really great first albums that I think um, will follow them throughout their career, but I don't know if this was it. And also because he had a different producer on it. Dan Hoff produces all the rest of his albums and I don't know who produced this one, but it just felt a little different. It was cowboy Keith Urban. It is. I, not that I'm completely disagreeing with you because I do, it doesn't, this album doesn't sound like it's so weird because it sounds different, but at the same time, if you were to take all a couple hundreds of Keith Urban songs over the last 20 years and shuffle them and play them, I don't know that individually some of these songs would stand out as like, oh, that's weird. Because I feel like he's got this, he's got a little bit of timelessness with his music. And maybe it's more of some of the recent stuff or, you know, the follow-up albums, but uh, I felt like it, it sounds more country. Like, is like you said, it's cowboy Keith. Yeah. But I think considering this came out in what 99. Yeah. He was kind of, I'm trying to think of, yeah, it was Toby Keith and Brad and George Strait were still coming out. Tim McGraw. I think he was more progressive than some of his contemporaries at the time. With this album, with the songs on this album, you think so? Yeah, let me uh, hold on for a second. Let me see if I can pull up. If you go to Spotify, if you're listening and you're a Spotify user, uh, raise down it. So we have a page and we have all kinds of playlists. And we have uh, a playlist for each of the top hits by year. So I'm looking at the year 99 when this album came out. Um, some of the other songs. Let's see here. We have... Uh, Tim McGraw for a little while. Brad Paisley, he didn't have to be. Uh, let's see here. Jody Messina, Lesson and Leaving. Uh, let's see here. What else we got? I just feel like even so, the next year, 2000, is when Rascal Flatts, their debut album, came out. And that was felt very much pushed into the 21st century with their sound. And that's what Keith was more of on his next albums. So I, I feel like this one, and I know he was in Nashville, but maybe he just brought, maybe things just took longer to get to Australia. <laughs> and so he didn't pick up on like the new, we're going different direction here in Nashville, Tennessee vibe until, I don't know, till later, till he met up with Dan Hoff and then they started to create like magic that became Keith Urban. Yeah, maybe it's kind of the identity crisis some artists have where it's like was there pressure or hesitancy to go all the way into Keith Urban we know nowadays you know take someone like 
Florida Georgia line and Sam Hunt. Those are two acts that ushered in a new sound. And I would argue they're their own lane and no one else should really try to touch that lane because they're not going to be as good. Right. So I wonder with this, the Keith Urban, if he wanted to, but then there was also like, well, you're not a, a, a commodity right now, you know? Right. Maybe it was more just a a feeling out what the the listeners wanted and maybe what he was comfortable with. You know, maybe the songs here, the four singles, whatever, catapulted onto his next album and maybe saw the direction that he didn't want to go and said, well, what if we just try to be a little more more progressive or, you know, and think that's maybe what this album did. I don't think it's as different as like the leap from this album to a second one is greater than like some of the other albums we've talked about where Luke Bryan's debut album to his mm. you know, second one, or even like a TR, like you could, I don't know. Right. Like maybe we're just, yeah. maybe we're just being the typical us and like a song comes out and one of us is like, I love it. The other one's like, <laughs> what are you doing? Oh, uh, that happens That's so often. Yeah. True that. True that. So but. this was, yeah, this mm-hmm. came out in October 99. And so it's Keith Urban's debut self-titled album in America. But it's often referred to as Keith Urban 2 because in 1991, he released Keith Urban 1 in Australia with a completely different set of songs. And then he was part of The Ranch as the lead singer. And that band released a self-titled album in 97. All different songs, too. So it's like there's these collection, and they're out there. You you can definitely go (laughs) uh, have your mind really flipped on you. But uh, definitely his breakout album. I mean, four singles, 18, four, three, and a number one hit. So, And like you said, it's his only album not to be produced by Dan Huff. Yeah. I'm also just, I'm looking at <laughs> the album cover because I like to do that. And first of all, he hasn't aged. He's just a beautiful human being. But I also wonder at the time, people were probably, especially if we think people are bad now about, oh, this is true country or real country. <laughs> can you imagine the time people see this long haired, highlighted Australian with a funny accent, has an earring, has a little soul patch. And he's singing about back Country. roads. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and so I think he probably just, first of all, put people on their, their heels a little bit too. So maybe it was good that he started off a little more traditional. Got yeah. his toes wet a little bit. Yeah. I think it's interesting because, and maybe it's a note in here I'll mention, maybe I just saw it in passing, but he was, he was well sought out in Nashville for a while to be, you know, to, to get signed and whatever. So it's like, you know, the national, the, the music row, the business people, like whatever, like they knew, but just because what they think and what they know doesn't uh-huh. necessarily translate into, Oh, like you said, country music fans are going to dig this. Right. Looking guy. So, right. And it's kind of interesting to think that there haven't been more, big acts coming from Australia that have hit the the mainstream in the U S you would just think that, I guess it just shows 
how rare it is because I'm sure, you know, there's a lot of Australian country artists that like, oh, I want to be Keith Urban when I grow up, blah, blah, blah. But why him? Like, why did it work so well for him and others not? Remind me to send you, this might sound weird, but because I was curious, this was before looking just some things we can do a raise on it next year. I, I have a spreadsheet of all kinds of Australian country music acts. Yeah. There's some really good hidden gems in there. And I'm like, they, they could do well at radio, I think, but um, yeah. And it's probably, I don't want to say easier, but they can market themselves easier these days. But 20 years ago, you couldn't just, you know, dial up the internet and be like, Oh, Australian country artist and find who you want. I mean, right. The biggest name since is probably Morgan Evans. Right. And he's pretty much that way. Cause he married Kelsey Ballerini. Sure. Part of it. Part of it. But that's, that's a fair, that's a fair yeah. point. So. so speaking of the songwriters. Yeah. There's, there's, there's a great little nugget in here that, um, I'll go off on a little tangent. So I'll just right. talk, talk about the songwriters for the, the singles that were released. So it's a love thing written by Keith Urban and Monty Powell. Uh, Monty Powell's written a ton of other Keith Urban songs. Days go by for you, which was a movie hit. Um, Kiss a girl tonight. I want to cry. And he's got some other hits, some other cuts. Uh, Diamond Rio's Norma Jean Riley. Chris Cagle's What a Beautiful Day. Tim McGraw's One of These Days. So already you're kind of getting a glimpse of like the songwriters on this and yeah, probably the recognition that this might be an artist, you know, to hitch myself. Right. We could flip it the other way too is like he's the one that is getting these, you know, he's He's helping their careers. Yeah, Yeah. Definitely. And he's being, yeah, loyal down the line, you know, he's that's okay. So this, there's so many interesting piece of the, pieces of this. Um, Where the Blacktop Ends, written by Alan Shamblin. And he's, he wrote uh, Mark Will's uh, Don't Laugh at Me, J. Mike's Life's a Dance, and Miranda. J. Mike. I had to think, I'm like, who the hell is J. Mike? <laughs> See, we, right. we called him J. Mike on one of our other podcasts. I know. Uh, and then he also wrote The House I Built Me by Miranda Lambert. So he's, Alan's one of the co-writers. The other co-writer is none other than Steve Warner. What? Yes. Steve Warner, the, you know. Holes in the Floor of Heaven guy? I'll get there. So, I mean, he's okay. he's had hits in the 70s, 80s, 90s. He says he has 13 number ones alone, and he writes the it. 70s? How old is he? What? I thought he was like a young book in the 90s. No? Okay. What? Anyways, keep going. I'm going to find out how old Steve Warner is. Oh, you, you don't believe me, do you? I don't. Well, I mean, I do, but it just... He was born in 1954. Interesting. Yeah. So... All right. Because I'm going to get there when I said the 70s. There, there's, a, there's an angle here. So anyways... Got it. Mainly 80s, 90s. Okay. But we'll... 70s accounts i'm getting there so he's an artist he's you know cranking out these great hits whatever but towards the end of the 90s he had two albums that he released that just didn't do well like there wasn't a lot of commercial success around it 
and his wife encouraged him to, you know, just, just focus on songwriting. Like maybe not that we're pushing you out to the pasture or like the sunset, but like, maybe it's a, you know, good time to, you know, just do songwriting. So he obliged and he wrote obviously this song, but there's two other songs that he's a co-writer on that blew my mind. He wrote Garth Brooks, Long Neck Bottle. What? Yes. And he wrote Clint Black's Nothing But the Taillight. Interesting. So from the wife always knows best, doesn't she? Well, yes. (laughs) So like that, you know, that success as a songwriter led him to be like, okay, maybe it's time for me to, you know, do this artist thing again. So that gave him momentum. He went back in the studio and he cranked up two or three new albums um, on Capitol Records. One of the songs on one of those albums was Holes in the Floor of Heaven. Grammy nominated, won ACM okay. Song of the Year. Uh, so that. And then the, the other one was he ended up re-recording his debut single, I'm Already Taken. So initially that was his debut single in 1978. And it only peaked at like 63. And you fast forward 20 plus years, he re-releases it and it goes to number three. What? So again, um, you know, ton of success, writes a hit for Garth, writes a hit for Clint Black. He writes this one where the blacktop ends for Keith Urban. He's got yeah. three of these, and then he's he gives us some of you know his some of the songs that I know him by. So I just thought it was a cool nugget. Now he's got a second home and a boat and, you know, right. a few cars in the driveway and <laughs> life's good. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Like you're I'm trying to think of someone's first hit. Well, not hit because it didn't go far on the charts, but for it to be that popular 20 years later. I mean, now we live in a world where everyone loves 90s music and is like coming back. But I think even five years ago, if you'd be like, okay, let's take a song from the 1980s and let's re-release it. It's not going anywhere on the charts. No. And I I wish I would have, I haven't, but, you know, released in 78 to early 2000s. I'm assuming they did some production adjustments to it, but. Um, sure. Sure. Still I guess that it's, that's impressive. It's gnarly. Yeah. Well done. Huh. <laughs> Steve Warner. Other songwriters, um, but for the grace of God, Keith Urban, he's one of the co-writers. He wrote it with two gals that go by the name Charlotte Caffey and Jane Widlin. And I'm not familiar with it, but some of our listeners might, you might. They were both members of the Go-Go's in the 80s. Oh, sure. So you never heard of the Go-Go's? I've, I've heard of it. I wouldn't be able to like recognize them or like hear a song and be like, Oh, that's the go-go's, but that's the go-go's. All right. Fair enough. So they wrote that. Um, interesting. And then his, his last single, you're everything, uh, Bob Regan, uh, wrote some songs for Billy Ray Cyrus, Trish Yearwood. And then the other songwriter is Chris Lindsay, who just writes absolute, when we say number ones, I mean, he writes number ones. He wrote Lone Star's Amazed and Smile, Mark Will's 19-something, and Chris Cagle's I Breathe In, I Breathe Out. So 
those are the the songwriters for the four singles released and that's just a glimpse of of how well you know this yeah this, this album is especially on some of these songs it's like if maybe the the studio everyone wanted him to be a success to prove that we didn't just uh bring him over here or hype him up for nothing and so right. maybe there was a little bit of an urgency to the album to do well. Yeah, that the the first project was going to be they were going to get the, some of the best songwriters their songs to cut those. So right. Yeah. Uh, as far as producers go, nothing too notable, and not that I would call this person, you know, not notable. I just you know, not flowers. Uh, his name is Matt Rawlings. Don't know a ton about him. Uh, he's worked with the likes of Clint Black and Billy Joel. He uh, he won a Grammy uh, a couple years ago with some work he did with Willie Nelson. So uh, he's he's good. So I think you know. But like he said, this is the only one where it's not Dan Huff produced. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Let's see here. Uh, before we get to the singles and stuff like that um album review according to the experts yeah <laughs> three out of five stars on all music from Tham jurek uh, let's see here he writes keith urban's solo debut for american audiences may seem a bit quaint now that he's become a superstar so this is not written in the moment got it but back in 97, when the album was released, Urban looked like a fresh-faced kid who was entering the U.S. market as a virtual unknown. Truth is, he made his recording debut in his native Australia in 91 and had been on the radar of Nationals A&R men for years. This album proves why. There are four Urban originals here, each one showcasing his knack for writing in numerous styles that all fit into the expanding country radio format. He could marry a rock tune or pop ballad to a country melody, set it off with just the right amount of heartfelt emotion, and lace it with appropriate production, whether it be playing the banjo or adding strings to the mix. He and the producer selected a mostly winning combination of tunes to fill the remainder of the disc, including It's a Love Thing, But for the Grace of God, and Roller Coaster, <laughs> which is interesting. Um, <laughs> that is sorry he literally says here that the track is a guitar scorcher from top to bottom literally it, it is only guitar <laughs> it's an instrumental oh that's yeah, funny <laughs> and, um, yeah so anyways uh this and other such moments balance the slick and sometimes too soft production on the on the record as such the album marks the true root of his sound as a major artist wetting his feet like you said earlier yeah wow tom just stealing my words or i'm stealing his sorry about that so did it say when this was um written this review uh doesn't let me see if i can i feel like it might have been not too long after it was released maybe maybe after he'd had a few albums maybe not super recent let's see because i feel like there would have been more reference to how country music is the last 10 years but yeah um i'm the i'm on all music sites and i'm not seeing like a, a post date but like you said that's probably all right tom. Good as- <laughs> Jeez. 
Fair enough. Right. I mean, it was a decent review, I guess. Yeah. I don't think I agree with everything, but that's all right. So what else you got? Uh, that's the only review I got. Uh, okay. Let's just get to the singles. So yeah. He released uh, in order here. He released "It's a Love Thing" May of '99. Went to 18. A year later, in May 2000, he releases "You're Everything," which goes to number four. November 2000, he releases "But for the Grace of God," which becomes his first number one hit. And then he finishes the album with uh, "Where the Black Top Ends" in April of 2001, going all the way to number three. So, based on those four. Do you think they do you think he got it right and just kind of overall judge of the singles? I think so. I think it got him right. It's funny, I listened to the album before I looked to see what the singles were. And of course, it's a love thing is the first song on the album. I'm like, oh, this is my hidden gem. This is so good. <laughs> yes. I'm like, oh shit, it was the first single off the album. Cool. All right. Um, but I think it's kind of funny the order in the of the singles because it's a love thing, seems very uh, country down home. Um, it's fun. It's, it's fast paced and stuff. And then the very last single release is where the black top ends, which I think it still sounds country, but it's probably more of a, a foreshadowing of what's to come and like the music that Keith would do. So I think that was kind of appropriate that it was released, uh, in the early two thousands instead of 1999, not, not that like a year or two makes much difference, but it kind of did with like the acts coming up at the time and stuff. Um, so I think, I think they got it right. I forgot about the song "Year everything. And I'm like, Oh, this is so good. Wow. Forgot about that one. Um, honestly, and we'll get to it later. I don't have many other hidden gems. There's a few that I like, but none that I would have bumped over these four. I would agree. I I think they got it right. I would have been, I feel like it's a love thing. Probably deserve to go higher than 18. It's, it's like you said, it, w- it would have been your hidden gem. I think it's a good, it's a good debut single, even though it didn't, you know, crack top 10 or anything like that. I, right. It's a great song. I think like, I'm right. gonna, I agree. You know, it's, it's one You're of the, I don't know. I'm going to add to my playlist, <laughs> okay. my playlist for a while. You know, you kind of forget about some of them and it's like, oh yeah, that wasn't a top 10 or that big of a hit, but it's a good Keith Urban song. Yeah. It is, but I think maybe just the fact that it was the first single, people didn't know the name, probably just kind of got lost a little bit. But um, let's see here. So, Hidden Gems, I'll give you that one. We'll count it as an honorable mention. Thank you. What else you got? Um, um, I felt like, I don't want to say they all felt a little sleepy to me, but they all felt a little sleepy. I don't know what it was. It just felt very, um, nothing caught my ear too much. Uh, <laughs> the song, You're the One, I really just thought like the Backstreet Boys should have sang or 98 Degrees should have sang. I felt very, uh, maybe more pop-esque. <laughs> I, the, you're the only one, right? Um, yeah. I have in my notes, nice ballad, boy band-esque. Wow, well done. So that, that I kind of liked that one just maybe because I like nineties boy bands and it gave me that sort of sentiment. Could the um, class have done that? I just thought of that. Mm, a little, it's a little too out of there. A little bit. Maybe they could have rascal flats it, you know, put their own spin on it. But yeah, I really just pictured uh, Nick Carter kind of singing it to me, but that's all right. 
Um, and then I guess the other one I liked maybe musically that, that caught my ear more was the Out on My Own. I thought it had some good, like the guitar riffs felt more like, yeah, this is Keith Urban, get in there, get with the guitar, do what you do. Um, I guess that would be the only other one that kind of. See, the interesting thing with that song is I like it, but it doesn't really, and maybe this isn't a fair criticism, but it doesn't really have a chorus. Like the chorus is literally two lines. It's, it's, there are some songs where it's just like, it's just a bunch of verses and like, that's just what it is. Like that's right. There's not really a hook to it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But other than that, I don't know. Maybe sometimes you say stuff. I'm like, oh yeah, you're right. So, not, not that, no. <laughs> I, I have in my notes here. I'm like, I like it, but there's not really a chorus. That just the two lines. Like that's my only critique. But at the same time, I think sometimes if you're writing a song and you you don't want to force lyrics and force a chorus necessarily either. So, um, let's see here. Hidden gems. I actually have. It's a love thing listed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you made a good point. I think there's there's a lot there's a lot in here that are like it's solid, good listening. And I think that's what I said earlier is like if you shuffle all the Keith Urban songs and one of these comes on, it's not going to like scratch to a halt and be like, well, wait, this is Keith Urban. You're going to be like okay like it sounds like a keith urban song there's there's not maybe not like a wow factor uh do you think so i don't i don't get that i listen to these songs i'm like it, it's not keith <laughs> this isn't it this obviously is the reason he went a different direction okay well maybe maybe next time we're together i'm gonna play you like 12 keith urban songs in a row okay. not hits not hits and i'm just gonna yeah. see you can notice right. you know where they are that's all i I think if you were if you were to say, I don't even want to say it because one of my machines, whether it's Google, Amazon, or Siri, is probably going to hear it and start playing. But if you were to say, "Hey, technology, play Keith Urban," and it was like shuffled, I don't know. I I don't think you'd you'd notice. No. Hmm. I think of- I would, but all right. Fair. Uh, the the two for me were um, I want to be your man. It's like a fun up tempo. It would have been my, if there was going to be a fifth single, that would have been my choice, I guess. And then uh, A Little Luck of Our Own, another one that I thought could have been a single. So those are my two. If you're going to listen to the others, like I checked those out. But again. I did enjoy the the accordion on I Want to Be Your Man Forever. That was a nice yeah. touch. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you want to do some polka dancing. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. And I mean, a lot of these are like mid-tempos. And they might not sound like the Keith, the high energy Keith, but like he he's able to find that sweet spot too. So anyhow. Yeah. But I feel like some of his later songs that are mid-tempo are better. Yeah. Like, would you say sweet things mid-tempo or. Um, yeah, up-tempo. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Mid-tempo, up-tempo, low-tempo. I- I'm a- hey. I'm not a musician. Maybe, maybe mid up tempo. Get your um, metronome out. <laughs> yeah. Oh yes. Uh, so, how do you play matchmaker for Keith Urban? Because I honestly, 
I, I struggled with this one, to be honest, like whether it's the songs or figuring out who, like who'd be good covering a Keith Urban song on this album or any Keith Urban song. It's just, I don't know. I was struggling. I was, and then I didn't. So I basically just did the four singles is who I played matchmaker for. Actually, okay. I did do another one. The last song on the album, I thought you knew. I got a lot of Mark Wills vibes from. So oh, oh. That, but I think you're I might. Backward, you're going backwards with one of them. Yeah, okay. I did. Yeah. No, I is... But so maybe it's just because of um, Cop Car, but I thought Sam Hunt would do some fun things to some of these songs so i put him on where the blacktop ends i can kind of see him like either slowing it down even like a notch more and getting yeah. a little more blues vibe in there um but for the grace of god i just hear like a deep baritone so i thought either scotty mccreary or michael ray would be great on that okay. song it's a love thing it was so country like john party was the only one i could really throw in there and be like yeah he'll do great with this um and then you're everything cody johnson because i love him Ooh. oh okay okay yeah um so i thought of him but then you're everything also during the course especially you can hear more harmonies like his background singers so, of course, I said, well, Charles Kelly would probably sound good. We'll put Hillary to back him up. But then, of course, you know, God bless our CMA Entertainer of the Year, Eric Church, and his backup singer, Joanna Cotton, I think, could also do some cool things with the song. Interesting. So. That, I like it. That was. Thanks. The, the Cody Johnson one. Didn't think of it, but. Yeah, I think yeah. that. In a weird way, that might actually work for a bunch of this stuff, I feel like. Huh. Mm-hmm. Especially this album, again, because I just think some of the songs are more country sounding than what's to come from Keith Urban. Yeah. I think, and I, I thought of, you know, Parker McCollum or, or a lot of different Texas artists, Granger, um, you know, anyone, f- I, I don't know, for some reason, the voice, I think, would match a lot of the songs. Interesting. Um I'm not even going to try to match like an artist to a song. Uh, like, oh, you come on. so I only, I did matchmaker for the, for, like two of my hidden gems. Um, but I didn't even think of doing for the actual singles, but I'm going to from now on. <laughs> genius. Uh, you mentioned like the, the deep baritone voice. Yeah. Uh, I had Chris young. on I want to be oh. your man. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. But I'm like, that could fit. And then a little luck of our own, if that was going to be a single. The other, like Mitchell Tenpenny, mm-hmm. you mentioned Sam Hunt could do some stuff to a song. I feel like Mitchell can do some stuff, different stuff. Yeah. Well, uh, so Mitchell, or I kept, you kept hearing Keith Urban's higher register off. Yeah. And I'm like, Shay, Dan and Shay, like what you can sing anything basically. Right. Yeah, right. yeah. So I'm like, you know, they could sing a lot of Keith Urban stuff today. I'm like, this one I'd be curious about. That was the only other, yeah, you know, the other one. Um, I don't know. You, you, I run through the list of like, what would Thomas Rhett sound like? What would Chris Lane or Jordan right. like? Does Morgan Wallen fit? I don't know. There wasn't, this was a tough one for me. Yeah, I, I don't know. For some reason, the whole 
the Sam Hunt thing just really got to me just because I've heard his version of cop car and then what Keith turned it into. So I think in some ways, maybe not so much on this album, but where Keith is now, his musical styles aren't as far gone as Sam Hunt's. Like I feel like they have more similarities than not. Um, But you're right. It's hard to kind of imagine anyone else singing a Keith Urban song. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's got his own, he's got his own lane. I don't know. He does. Yeah. He's not Tim McGraw. He's not Uh, Kenny and you know, he's not Brad. Right. I mean, cause Keith, he has, you know, Kenny Chesney's like the, the summer vibes, but Keith Urban has a lot of them too, but they're not as beachy. They're more right. groovy. I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> it's not, it's not the, the beachy summer. It's the groovy Right. Summer. Yeah. You don't feel like you're in a tiki hut. You just feel like, oh, the weather's nice outside and I'll sit out on my deck. Right. I'm, I'm picturing a bunch of teenagers rocking out on the beach. That's about it. All right. Kenny Chesney, it's like, you know, just just enjoying, you know, the beach with a drink in my hand. Yeah. Sitting in that chair with blue chair. Yep. (laughs) Hmm. All right. Now Uh the tough part begins. Okay. The metal metal stand. Where yeah. uh, Where does this album make the metal stand? It didn't for me, but then trying to sort out this metal stand is hard. It is hard. I feel pretty confident in mine. I do. Um, it's hard because I feel a lot of them should be tied, <laughs> which I yeah. know isn't like fair, but this, this album, sorry, did not make my metal stand. I don't know if it even qualified for the Olympics, but anyways, Ooh, um, I know. There's I know. three really good hits on here. Yeah, but of all the singles, if you want to go there, I wouldn't pick these over the other singles. Anyways, great. I'll just throw these out there. Make of it what you will. My favorite Keith Urban album is "Be Here." Okay. I don't, okay. Get closer. Mm. And then. Fuse. Okay. Fuse is so good. And it came out during Bro Country, that kind of timing. And it was so much better than anything the Bro Country came out with. So your your number one was Be Here. Be here. Get closer. I think I had the album. I think I had the CD. Or you had it and I stole it. I don't maybe not I I did as much as I would love to I don't know blame me for stealing something I don't um I don't believe so so okay let's talk just the singles here so yeah I mean days go by better life making memories of us you're my better half tonight I want to cry I think those are the only ones but then like some of the hidden gems like she's got to be you're listening to that one. That's a good song. And I just, I think this is his third album, technically, because it was uh, Keith Urban self-titled, Golden Road, and then Be Here. And I feel Be Here solidified him that he's probably going to be sticking around and yeah. be successful. Yeah, for for me, I, we have two out of the three same. 
and okay. of, not, not order, but like two or three albums. Like uh, the debate, I had the debate between for gold it was between be here and fuse. Like, okay. Yeah. And it, it was like one of those debates of like, okay, fuse is one of his more recent ones, 2013, you know, it's, you know, talking 10 years after some of these other albums and i'm like right in my prisoner of the moment like is it just because these songs are too like fresh in my head you know um but then like you said be here i think you made a good point is like that was that was his official like i'm here i'm gonna be a star i'm gonna be legit like yeah that's it yeah i i gave the edge to fuse just Did you? I feel like there. I like the I like the sound and the singles a little bit better, but yeah. And I just think it was his f- first album in a few years, I think three years or so between albums when Fuse came out, and it was it was right in the middle of of Bro Country and FGL kind of hitting it and TR and this it's not Bro Country it's just and first of all We Were Us is my jam I love that song probably going to be one of my top songs of all time when it comes down to it. I love We Were Us. What does when it comes down to it mean? <laughs> when I'm at my deathbed. <laughs> when someone's like, I don't know, you have to tell me your top songs of all time, otherwise you're over the edge, Missy. That's so actually a great <laughs> idea. Maybe whenever it's, whenever it's that time, in my will, I'm going to write a list of my top 20 songs, and then I'm going to ask at the service you know the the casket opens like the list is there so like as people are you know paying their respects to me they can also be like huh interesting or great song selection interesting i just thought that's a thought very weird uh the for my bronze i had to find gravity which came out i think a year. oh yeah yeah uh that's good and it came out a year before get closer there's some Mm -hmm. He was cranking them up for a while, so right. That that one had songs like "Sweet Thing," "Kiss a Girl," um, "I'm In." So, yeah, I oh, think- he puts out good music, and I thought of like even like "Love Pain" and the whole crazy thing. It was a good yeah. album too. Um, Stupid boy, I mean, so good. Yeah. So it's hard to pick, but sometimes you just got to be like, okay, as a whole. What album really so good i was actually surprised we had yeah two or three well done wow yeah, we're it's weird. I, I know i'll say something offensive don't worry good <laughs> always time for that you'll probably say it here with our, our final parting thoughts i know all oh, right yes we, we kind of disagree a little bit about it so what would you how would you sum up the album and your thoughts i would probably say underwhelming hmm it's, it's nothing special, I don't think, although the singles that they chose were good. And I think maybe that was maybe by design. I think maybe all the other songs they didn't see having success. And I mean, of the, the four singles, they were all top 20 songs, yeah. three of which were top five, which is impressive. So I just think it's, it's hard because it's not the Keith Urban that we know today. It doesn't sound anything like him i don't think yeah and that i think that's yeah where we'll disagree because i i think you could drop some of these songs on his current album and maybe you know change a little bit of the production and i don't think it would stick out as drastically as 
other artists and their first album to their sound nowadays. Um, I don't know. He he has this timeless sound to him. There's, I don't know. There's for me, that's just kind of my takeaway is like, I don't know. I think you can play play these songs and mix, mix them up with the others and it'll fit. But this is where we this is where we disagree. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I guess I always think of, of course, my guy, Eric Church, and I feel he's yeah. one where you can literally hear any song from any album and it it just sounds uh, seamless. For this, just some of these songs kind of stop me in my tracks like, oh, hit a rut. This isn't this isn't what we know. So I guess when I compare those two, that's where I'm getting my my thought process from. OK, fair. <laughs> We'll allow it for now. We'll, Gee, thanks. We'll, let, we'll let the listeners uh, be the judge and jury of uh, the sound of this one. Um, but yeah. In a criminal justice system. No, I'm kidding. Dun, dun. <laughs> uh, so this was, I think it was our first uh, Keith Urban centered podcast, uh, even going to video vaults. I don't think we've done him there yet. Mm-hmm. But, um, Props to none of us for putting out an Australian accent. I really yeah, kind of thought yeah, that was coming at some point, but yeah, good job, we us. We haven't offended anyone. That's, that's no. good. well, not that we All righty, mate. No. <laughs> there we go. Uh, well, this was fun. Emily, you get the next album. So I'm curious to see what you pick. You might already have some tricks up your sleeve, but uh, it's going to be the it's going to be the Morgan Wallen 30 song. <laughs> okay. Can we, can we talk about that for a second? Absolutely. <laughs> My two questions. A. How do you even <laughs> listen to 30 songs? And then B, how do you even try to critique or try to figure out 30 songs? That's three albums. I don't know. I'm taking the day off of work to figure it out. Three albums. 30 it's songs. amazing. It's so amazing. I am so excited. I pff, blows my mind. Part of me, yeah. part of me wonders if it's a if it's like a, a streaming strategy where it's Maybe. like there's 30 songs here and everyone's going to like their own 10, like a lot, but you might like the 20 others, but like there's 10 that you're going to be like over the hill for yeah, or the moon, whatever, but over know, the 30, hill for. <laughs> 30 is just so many. It is. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like great. two hours of songs more it's, than that. It's great in theory. I'm just a little, I'm a little hesitant. I'm a little worried. I'm not, I think he's riding this wave and he is just going for it. And I think this is what the fans want too, because he's been dropping so many songs on Instagram or, you know, this cut, this cut and people, he's got a following. So I think they're just going to grab it and go for it. And if Shania could have 11 singles off one album, what, you're going to have like 25 off this one? I, I think for me, as long as the songs don't all sound alike, because for instance, when Jason Aldean releases albums, oh he puts, yeah, that's 15 or 16 songs. And they, they all, they're great songs, but they all kind of sound alike after a while. That's my, that's my only concern. Right. You hit play and two hours later, you're like, I'm, I've been listening to the same song for two hours. Right. Right. Yeah. And I mean, by the time it gets released in January, well, we know, I think at least three of the songs have been released now. I'm sure he'll have another two out by that time. So it's only 25 more songs you'll really have to learn. 
I think he has one coming out. We're recording this. What's today? November 19th. I think he has one coming out tonight. Early, early With tomorrow. that Ernest guy? Ernest, yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so whatever. You know, he could... Part of me is like, just release one new song every week for the next 30 weeks. That'd be awesome. But the selfish part of me is like, give me them all at one time. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we'll see someone do that at some point. One a week for yeah however many weeks but that's a good we'll we'll make that a podcast when it comes out sounds good the album collection or the main raise on it but for sure sounds good to me cool well for emily this is aaron this is the album collection on the raise on it podcast network thanks for listening subscribe like rate all those good things find us on raise and stay tuned for upcoming episodes Sweet. All right. I'm going to exit out of this and send you another one. Sounds good. Momentarily. <laughs>